0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Biff Rugby League Podcast. I'm your host Brad and I'm joined again by both my co-hosts Toby and Robin as we dive into the latest news and updates from the world of rugby league. In today's episode we're going to be discussing everything from Leeds Rhinos tribute kit to hookers on the move and of course Robin went to Catalan. So sit back, relax, get ready for some not so expert analysis, a little bit of banter and some just some rugby league chit chat. But before we get into it, Toby, you've got some news, haven't you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, Brian and Robbie knew it was coming, um, but I wasn't going public with it just yet. But Baby Biff is officially here. Um, He was born on Friday the 5th of May. Um, And he has watched a few (laughs) highlights so far, although he's not taken too much an interest yet. Um, however, Project Joe, Jonathan Thurston is on. It's <laughs> Joe. Project JT. Um, yeah. So we brought him home in a scrum hat. No, we didn't.
0: <laughs> uh, we didn't. I mean, um, you've gone. You've chosen Jonathan Thurston there. Yeah. Like the the rugby player, the rugby league player that I know, born in at Derby, is probably Lewis Pe- Peachy. <laughs> yeah no no not him or Terry
2: Fogarty. <laughs> I like Project Jonathan uh, of I like this, yeah no, I do I like. A Biff, a Biff Hall of Famer as well. Yeah this, is, yeah. A while ago, but he's in he is in the Biff Hall of Fame. God no, no. No. Well I
1: suppose if you wanted to go down that route I could also say Project Rob Matson but I don't think. <laughs> uh, I, don't
0: I don't think North Wales Crusaders winger is going to be able to afford me a mansion so. No, you've got to go for uh, guys on big bucks. I mean, if you're going on guys with big bucks, I'm probably Project Joseph Swalihi, right? He's on big money, isn't he now? Well, Alan, I mean,
1: starting in 2025, isn't
0: he? Along with half of the Sydney Roosters squad when they all switch codes, apparently. Yeah, I mean, that's a great segue from babies to the Sydney Roosters, and we'll, you know what, we'll stick with it. Uh, but no, before we move on, massive, massive congratulations to you, your partner... Good luck with everything, and I'm sure that the listeners are super stoked to hear about it as well. We've been, we knew for a while, and me and Robin have been trying to hold the like hold it in, and we were like, we can't say anything, we just can't say anything. And we were just like, yeah, Toby's just really busy doing adult things, <laughs> but no, you're back and awesome. you're ready to go, so that's that's awesome. Do you wanna do you wanna get into that rugby Australia with? the Roosters and how many of their players they want to sign (laughs) well I mean it is just one more than rugby Australia already have but
1: yeah they um, obviously anyone who knows rugby union knows that Australia have been pretty crap compared to their standards for about 10 years now probably 2013 World Cup is maybe the Lions that the Lions tour in 2016 that was
0: 2013, right? Yeah twenty thirteen, yeah, same year, yeah. No no, yeah. Uh, not... no year after no. 2013 twenty thirteen and twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty
1: fifteen, 2015... yeah. No, I don't know, that's not right. Twenty fifteen was the World Cup, twenty thirteen was the Rugby League World Cup. So the Lions tour was twenty thirteen, then the Rugby World Cup was twenty fifteen. Yeah, that'd be right. That's what I meant. Yeah,
0: that yeah. right.
2: Sorry, yeah, sorry, I'm
1: getting the Rugby League World Cup confused. Um yeah, so maybe since the Lions Tour 2013, arguably since, definitely since Rugby World Cup 2015, um, Rugby Australia have basically won nothing. They've beat New Zealand a couple of times in the past year, but that's more of a, like, a how New Zealand are doing compared to yeah. a how Australia are doing. Uh, when they've come over to the Northern Hemisphere, where the reality is, is where Rugby Union's sort of doing better at the moment than it is in the... In Australia, in Australasia, um, the re, you know the reality is is that they they the perform, and many of their players now just don't even want. You know, a lot of players don't want to play in Australia, and all the kids want to play league because rugby Australia is this like wealthy, or, or rugby union is like a wealthy school, private school sport in Australia, like it kind of like it is over here. Yeah. But you know, there's no if you want to play community, if you want to play rugby and you live in. A rural, you live in rural New South Wales or Queensland. Your nearest club is guaranteed to be a rugby league club. Yeah. And rugby Australia have given up trying to have an impact on those areas and have gone. Do you know what? We're just gonna chuck all our money at signing players once they've already been developed. Um, who, def- you know. So you take a player who hasn't played rugby union in four or five years, like Joseph Sualeati. Yeah. Uh, and just give him more money than you could ever have play in rugby league and see what see you know see if you can win a world cup with him. They now think that if they get Angus Crichton he'll be another Australian wonder. But anyway, they, they did they have had success with this before. Um Tom Wright came from manly a few years ago and he's quite a decent rugby union player. Uh, Marika Corribiti.
0: Yeah Semi Redrade just come over hasn't he? He's playing right, over for Bristol. Red yeah so yeah he played for fiji yeah so yeah. I, I don't know if
1: they but anyway yeah so they've, they've tried it i think they tried to post jared Hayne at one point as well but um yeah they've tried it before and it hasn't really worked and everyone in australia uh, everyone who cares about it knows that it's because the kids are coming through playing not playing the sport but yeah all seem pretty insistent that this is their only way out of it now um despite the fact that you know like rugby union has stupid selection policy in where countries country and players who play in their country and make their it's very monopoly like you know you've got to have a monopoly and we own rugby in this country and everything that ha- you know we have to profit from this and the players have to feed into our pockets it's very it's not about just putting on the shirt because you're the best australian player yeah. i mean, one of the best players on the planet is will skelton and he's he's australian he doesn't even want to play in australia most of the time so it just goes to show yeah. what it's like, um, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, yeah. I guess the real question is: Do Rugby Australia by trying to take at NRL, the NRL rugby league's best talent into their game and pay them a load of money, are they damaging rugby league? Like, do we need to? I don't. I, I
0: don't do think. We need keeping these players like Joseph Sueli? I think they're trying to damage rugby league, but you're looking at it and going, okay, they're trying to damage rugby league, but they're also putting a. Crap ton of money back into rugby league, Like, if I don't know how much Crichton's going to get offered or how much Swali he got offered I think he's going at the end of his contract. So there's not going to be a transfer fee, right? I don't believe but if they tried to get any of these guys early, they'd have to offer big money They do not they just be mental if they wanted to get him in now They just have to they'd have to break like world records to get them over To play we've seen it with Jason Robinson like Lottie, Lottie Takiri happen in the past so it's not a surprise if it if it happens again um i think robin's just dropped out for a second but very very interesting to see what he thinks i don't know if he's going to come back actually so if he doesn't we'll move on to i was going to mention his trip away but he's not here i don't know what's happened well i'll just finish off with me i'll just finish off with Little rugby australia and hope he comes
1: back yeah um I think I fundamentally agree that all they're effectively doing is making the game stronger um, from the perspective that Joseph Sueli's plan is to join Rugby Union when he's 23. Yeah, 23. Immediately playing the 20... No, um, playing the 2027 World Cup. Yeah. And then come back that's and right play. Into, yeah. Yeah. World Cup this year twenty twenty three. Yeah. Play in the twenty twenty seven World
0: Cup and then play for whichever code you have more fun playing. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, he'll probably end up coming uh, back and playing in twenty twenty nine. I wouldn't have I don't think I don't see why also, someone wouldn't offer if he's a quality if he turns out to be an we know he's a good rugby player, right? And if he turns out to be a great rugby union player and a great rugby league player, which we know he is, then we need yeah. to but I don't think I think I mean also there's the Go on. No, I'm just
1: saying. there's also the thing with him, that he is a great rugby league player. But realistically, have they signed the player, the NRL player, who walk, who re, who walks into um, a rugby union team and makes it better? Like of all the players in the NRL, no, is he the one which will change rugby Australia's fortune? fortune no like, i don't think I don't that, think he is you know, no you know you think that yeah you know there's still a lot of things in his game which were a bit like we saw him at the world cup he was a very safe fullback but i don't think safe is really what you know is that important he's sort of becoming a strike center but he's undersized at the moment he's still fantastic i'm not trying to take anything away from him i'm just saying that you know when you've got Obviously, they wouldn't be entitled to a Joey Marnie, but you look at the standard, if Joey Marnie went to Rugby Union,
0: that'd be a totally different story.
1: Yeah. He went to to Rugby Union and you go, that is a player who could do anything
0: there. Whereas I feel like, you know, he's going there to learn for two years type thing. Yeah, and he's he's, he's uh, decided to come back and he's not on a lot of money now that he's come back either. It's... It's one yeah. of them where he's yeah. gone, not really enjoyed it, and I think I think Swa- Swalihi will be exactly the same. I think he'll come back yeah. sooner than maybe yeah. we think. But
2: this is why someone like I, mean... I was just gonna say, this is why, like, your question about does it damage the sport? This is why at this stage I'm not really threatened because if we lose a, like a player like Joseph, then you know it's a shame, but it, like it's not gonna fix their problems, it's also not gonna damage the NRL or rugby league or like the kangaroos. So yeah. at this stage I'm not really threatened if, if we lose one or two here and there. But if this is the thin end of a wedge and it starts uh you know, more and more players start to go and we do lose the superstars, like if we lost someone like Nathan Cleary, then then that would, you know, put my put my attention up and I would be thinking like there's there's a problem here. But at this stage, if this is all they've got, if they, if they have to pay a ridiculous sums of money to get someone that's like a yeah. first team, not the man, then um, then then I'm okay with it. But the only, the only question I've got, and this is because you know I, I don't know much about rugby union, but we're talking about rugby Australia signing signing this player, um, but where's he playing during the season? Because like I know they play more international fixtures in the union, but. What? Well, how do they work that out? Like, ruby sure I they bring him over, but yeah, then who? Is he going to? Is it going to a club? Or is yeah, it just? Yeah, he'll go to. Um... Yeah.
1: Sorry, let me just check it. He's he has got like he is designated to play for one of like he will go out and play for one of the. uh Yeah, he'll play for the Waratahs, which is New South New Wales. New South Wales. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, Bear in mind, the competition they play in is falling apart at the moment. He's going to, he's going to, Swahili is going to be on $2 million a year, right? He's not even, I know he was yeah. born in Penrith and he's New South Wales, an Australian, right? But if this guy was good enough, he'd be playing, he'd have played for Australia at the last World Cup. And I know yeah. they've got, I know they've got Tedesco. And whatever, but it's different. This guy this this guy doesn't want to play as from what I gather and the way what people are saying in the camp, he doesn't want to play for Australia. He's just going to play rugby league and he's on two million dollars a year. I don't think mm-hmm. if like I know he's contracted by Rugby Australia, but you know, like it just it doesn't yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't it just seems like he's I mean, going for the yeah. two million dollars. He's not going to play rugby union, well, he's, he's going he's, for two million dollars
1: you know in rugby league how the clubs have way too much power over at the players yeah and like the clubs say we're not letting Australia have yeah. have our star players to have an off season in union the, the Australia say we want you we're bringing you in to play 20 games for Australia this year yeah and to make sure that you're not fit you will play 8 club games this year that's how like and do you know what I mean so you've got no one wants to support the game week to week no one's bringing revenue in at the club level yeah. and then it's not being caught the chain and then anybody they do get their splashing so it's funny because in many ways union's falling apart it's falling apart in this country too yeah Um. you know it, it, I think it is you know and the reason it was Eddie Hearn said recently it's because they've done that thing with which rugby league was struggling with for so long where it's like none of the names in union are household names yeah. because they, they became so popular and they became more people would watch an international union fixture than would watch international football fixtures, you know, in some countries. And it became so popular that they became super in the limelight, super, you politi- not politically correct, but sort of almost censored, like personalities got censored. It was all just, you know, um, and then, yeah, they've come to a point where they now have gone off. Oh, if the England rugby team walk into, the, into a bar, no one actually
2: knows who they are. Yeah, they've lost touch with with the the grassroots with the people that are actually enjoying the sport and that's why that's why i think the it's really interesting isn't it because it's kind of the opposite of what we've got in league like you said in league we've got the club teams have the power over the players and we're desperate for the international to be given priority but this is almost the opposite and it's yeah. like too lofty it's too global it's too commercial and actually you, like you need people coming every week to see their club teams to, to bring in revenue to yeah. create the players that make it to the international level and to to like drive the the interest of the sport like in between these massive fixtures
0: yeah. yeah no i get i get that it's kind of you want it you want it to be a little bit less controlled by the clubs but you don't want it to be as controlled by the international federations as what rugby union is yeah in terms of that i mean i believe that the rfu Hold the uh, obviously control international rugby in the in England, and they have their international. The IRL have those international rugby windows, which clubs can't withdraw players from within that period of time. So they have to if they're selected for England and they're fit, they'll go to England. Then England decide what to do with that player in that window. The IRL the IRL need to do that in rugby league to decide. Okay, during this period, we control. Like the the, the 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 nations control what happened with the player within that period of time, it's like if lads are called up by Queensland and or New South Wales in the NRL, teams aren't going to withdraw them from those they, them those games. The players yeah. have to the players have to withdraw themselves or Queensland and New South Wales withdraw them. The way the rugby league works in terms of who's in control of a player at a certain time is so confusing. It just needs to be. I think that's just where it needs to be sorted out. Whereas rugby union each country each country's national team is run differently and but they're all run in ways that probably need improving so yeah, if that I makes sense agree.
1: the biggest loss I think league had to union in recent memory I mean there's again you've got Corabiti um, did Vinivalu I think he went to union didn't he yeah he went over yeah Yeah. yeah. so there's them but I think in Danny Solomon feels yeah. like the biggest one yeah, he was he was yeah. flying over it over uh, here he and he got, went to play rugby uh, he here. was a player who was becoming something in the UK, he was becoming a star and Union poached him. Yeah. Whereas when Bunnyvalu left the Storm, he, Josh Adokar was the star.
2: Yeah. I what what about um two of us Shek like he was the NRL's main man. Yeah, he
0: was it? he was the guy. He's won two Dally M's, I think, and he went over there and he was like, "Yeah, I'm just going I'm just going to give it give it a go." Was it the fact that he was at New Zealand Warriors at the time he left? Yeah, so he was, was he was at the irrelevant. New Zealand War- Warriors, <laughs> and then decided he wanted to go and play New Zealand Rugby Union. And I think he's played a handful of games for the the All Blacks, not loads though. I don't know if he, I don't think he's played loads, but maybe he thought he was going to be a better player than that. Uh, he's played three times for the All Blacks, so it's not a lot is it and i mean he went well the best part is, he only went last year
1: about the reason he played was because people would go i want to see roger Tuivasa-Shek,
2: the yeah. league star yeah and he's in union so anyway yeah well we, we're getting carried he's away well. um we've, we've spoken far too much about rugby union for my liking yeah way too
0: much about rugby union. let's talk about rugby league international eligibility um he can the guy who runs he can play for on Twitter has been doing a fantastic job for a number of years getting out the names of players from the NRL Super League Championship League one State Cup elite one elite two Juniors and lower grades to for, for each for different countries all around the world. He does it in alphabetical order this year We've seen Austria Antigua and Barbuda uh, bar. Yeah, Barbuda Argentina Barbados Brazil, Bulgaria, China and Croatia, there's some names in there like, I didn't know Michael Cheekham, Brighton Totor could play for China, David Norfoluma and Nathan Cleary can both play for Croatia, the Cameroon are in there, Canada have got some really solid NRL and um, English based players, Chile have got some names I wasn't expecting in there as well like Marcelo Montoya, The um, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo are there, Denmark both uh, for soo Malawi brothers are in there for Denmark Dominican Republic Dominica Egypt Fiji Greece uh, Germany came out uh, Yesterday there's some I'll tell you what that G- Germany if they get to a world cup or these lads decide they want to play for Germany in European qualifiers I expect you see Germany at a world cup Maybe not 2025 but definitely 2029 and then Ghana came out yesterday as well um, Grenada come out yesterday Hungary came out today And there's there's usually another one that comes out in the evening so just there's some crazy players that can play for some teams we just didn't really know about but I'm very interested to see what you guys make of the German team like both Drinkwater brothers, Brett Naden, uh, Esu Kapoa, Brad Schneider, Toby Rudolph, Aaron Penne, Toby and Ryan Couchman, David Klemmer, Jimmy Kinehorse, Tom Johnston, uh, Ronald Volkman, Josh Corrick, Adam Ryder uh, Ryan Miller and Ben White they're just some of the names that probably like, the average rugby league listener might know and then there's loads of juniors lads as well and State Cup lads and Elite 2 and Elite 1 players I would love to know how
1: a German person is either the parents or grandparent of a man
0: named Asuka Pola I don't know but I'm glad because the more West Tigers <laughs> players are at the World Cup the better they'll be uh, apparently Jason <laughs> Gary, Gary can as well um, but before he moved to Cas, yeah, he lived in Germany for four years. So that, yeah, maybe not. But yeah, there's rumours that some, a lot of um, players could play over there. So that's going to be a really strong team, a nines team. Like Robin was saying before we come on, a nines team from that German side would do really, really well in, a, in an international nines World Cup. It takes it takes somebody
1: to take charge of German RL and put the team together. You know, it, it doesn't take much. It just take it takes somebody to have the passion that that this, that this guy has. Put and yeah. Tonga and rugby. Like, do you know what I mean, we wouldn't have the Tonga team we we do. Jason Tamalolo wouldn't want to play for Tonga if there wasn't a guy saying we're going to build Tonga and we're going to focus on heritage and we're going to yeah. we're going to get players who are proud to pull on a Tonga shirt. You know. um, Cause basically what happened is they phoned up one guy and they said hey look like this is what we're gonna be all about we're gonna you know we're gonna be all about tongue and culture and we're gonna make your granddad proud and i guess it's that like say you know if you say to the drink water brothers and you say to you know volkman and whatever like look here's your chance to make your heritage, Pratt, and like real inducement to German shit. I mean,
0: Scott Drinkwater, right now, it, like, well, Scott Drinkwater is a very marketable person as well. Um, and they and they both, both the Drinkwater brothers have said that they'd happily come out and play for Germany, providing that the fixtures fell into when they could. Tom Johnston being born over there, there was rumours that if he doesn't play for England, you know, he'll play for, for Germany. Jimmy Kinehorst already played for Germany. I believe Ben White, Brad billsborough Adam Ryder have already featured their League One Championship players. So all it takes is just a couple more lads to, to show interest in that and maybe just get a call. Like Brent Naden and Esu Kapoa are not going to play for Tier 1 nations. So why not just go and play for Germany? Do you know what I mean? Have the If you want to play at a World Cup, just go and do it. Yeah. In
1: a game where centre partnerships are important, that centre partnership, if that German team play against Greece, oh. Germany have got a better better center partnership they've got better they've got better edges already
0: than Greece do. they've got a better fullback they've got a better half they're well they've got a leap equal if not better half back, they've got better props like they do really well i think and there's, there's probably more that we don't know about as well it's really really exciting yeah. it's cool,
1: it's
2: so this, cool. Is, this, is the, this is where
1: this is where international rl what's what's their name now is it IRL? I, I think
0: it is still the IRL, yeah. International uh, still, uh, Rugby the, League, yeah. The, the Rugby League
1: Federation or something, anyway.
0: Yeah. This is where
1: they really fall down because they've got, you know, they've got the ability to grow the game from a na- national level. Yeah. Um, as you say, they don't, they don't put their foot down, well, they haven't done anything. They, you know, they should have been able to negotiate international window, they yeah. should have been able to negotiate, um, you know, progress and something that you can even sell to the NRL. Like, how, this is going to benefit you yeah. because we're going to offer, we're going to make sure that every single within a four-year cycle, every single team is going to get an international fixture um, in their stadium um, or some, you know, something along those lines. Like, we're going to make sure. Of all that, but all you have to do is guarantee that your players can be released to any nation that we
0: certify. Yeah, at any point, if you're if that nation has a game, they need like Jared Samut goes and plays for Malta whenever he wants. Like he just and the club that he plays at at that time knows it. if Malta have an international game, Jared Samut is available for selection. So he goes and plays. Rio Corkill did it last year when he was in the Saints Academy. I think during the playoffs Nigeria had a game. And he went and played in the game for Nigeria. Instead of playing in an academy fixture. If Super League clubs are willing to do that. NRL clubs should be willing to do that as well. But I, I know that they're not. They're not like that. Um, speaking of German players. Jimmy Kynor's one of those that is eligible. Him alongside Ethan Ryan and Sam Wood have all been told they can find new clubs for next year. They're not going to be offered new deals at Hull KR. Uh, Sean Kenny Down, Kane Lynette and Lachlan Coote have all been told they will stay. What do we make of that move? What do we make of those?
2: I mean, Jimmy Jimmy Kynos is, um, is, is a, a, a dependable player, isn't he? Like uh, uh, To me, unless unless they've um, unless they've got some of a big one, I'd want to keep a, a player like that around because... Um, you know, like you know what you're gonna get. If you can't, if you can't sign someone better, sign them as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Keep them in the squad. Keep, you know, rotate them around a bit. So, for me, that's a bit of a strange decision. But it, it kind of depends. Like, why? What? You know what I mean? But what? What have they got planned? Going to sign instead? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, definitely. Toby, if what do you make of them? Because it's, it's weird. Hulk KR, oh, supposedly one of the richer clubs in. the the Northern Hemisphere, but they're not keeping lads that you would have thought would stay around for a bit, but they've kept their older lads that have been on the edge of retirement. Like, people were saying three weeks ago, Lachlan Cook could be retiring this season. Sean Kenny Dowell and Kane Lynette are very old. They've been there a while in terms of the level they're playing at, but they're still very reliable. I feel like they've done this the wrong way around, I think. No, I know. The players they've released, like Jimmy
1: Kainal's 32, you know he's he's the same age as and Coot effectively and is he really? Jesus yeah Jimmy Kainos it, it feels like he was coming through as a 10 year old about a 20 year old at Leeds like yeah. 2 years ago that's mental. Anyway, Jimmy Kainos is 32 it kind of makes sense like he is for some reason he's not very well like he's not very well utilised I don't really understand why because I don't think I've ever seen him put a foot wrong but for whatever reason I don't think he'd particularly want to re-sign and he's probably you know like yeah he is he's not a player they see themselves going forward using really uh, and they haven't really used um Lockman is genuinely brilliant I mean I was thinking about it the other day where him signing for St. Helens is probably been one of the biggest moments in the resurgence of Super League yeah um purely from perspective that was st helens bringing in somebody who knows what culture it takes to be the best team in the world because the north queen's Cowboys were in
2: 2015
1: yeah and went so he when he came in and did that 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 has the knock-on effect obviously justin holbrook's got through it too. but that knock-on effect of bringing true elite athletes Mentality to Super League is what's grown Super League and made Saints World Champions like it's all you know part of yeah part of the system it's all knocked on from (laughs) there so I really like you know I think that he's a wonderful I think he's a wonderful fullback and I can't believe he's at Hull KR sometimes like the fact that Saints were willing to let him go I understand why but the fact they were willing to let him go and the fact that Hull KR were the ones who signed him is crazy you know Yeah. Um, I do get what you mean about age like they have re-signed three very old players, but Sam Hall, was it Sam Hall? You uh, Sam Wood. Sam Wood. Sam Wood's never going to, Ryan Hall and Sean K. Dowell could be, could be 50. They will outperform Sam Wood. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the reality. Oh, yeah, 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 You know, it's not, no, it's not, it's not a knock on Sam Wood, but that's, you know, that's not his level. Um, Maybe, you know, they've signed in, they've given it a go, and obviously he's not the player that they wanted to fit that role. Um, so I think it's it's difficult um, you know you need players who are going to fit your system gonna fit, are going to play in their individual roles but most importantly know what it means to pull on a shirt of a club and um, Sean Kenny Dowell Lachlan Coote is it Brian Hall you said? Uh, Sean Kenny Dowell Kane Lynette and Lachlan Coote oh, Kane Lynette so Kane Lynette's another bloke who was in that North Queensland Cowboys team Yeah. yeah they are three players who bring elite sports mentality. You know, they are play you know, that as I said, that that is in many ways, it's the model that St Helens followed yeah. to become what they are today was to bring in players who understood players and coaches who understood what it takes to be to not be a joke. Yeah. This is making sure that whole KR go with Saints, Wigan, um leads and not with Cass and Wakefield because that oh, yeah. is kind of they are right in the middle at the moment, aren't they? In yeah, terms true. of their stadium, their their outreach, etc. They have got to stay with the top dogs and not drop down. And I think that you know that is probably what they're doing more than anything is keeping the attitude around the club as one that is of a high standard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That does. Yeah, that makes sense. That, I mean, I can see it now. That does make sense in terms of other. Players potentially on the move. A uh, lots of hookers, lots of number nines potentially shifting clubs. Obviously, James Roby has said, "Look, I'm gonna, re- I'm done this year. This is my last year. I'm gonna leave." So Saints have turned around and gone, "Okay, then we're gonna offer Darryl Clark two-year deal because he's out of contract at Warrington. With Darryl Clark out of a, out of contract, do Warrington need to bring in another hooker alongside um, Danny Walker? They've been looking at Cruz Leeming. Like you're looking at that." I said before we come on air, I think that the Saints have potentially gone on gone after the wrong number nine. Like, if I were Saints, I'd be going after Danny Walker because of the way he's played this season, he's been really impressive and he played very, very well in that England game. But I don't know. I don't know if Daryl Clark's the right guy. His knee injury this year has limited in him, obviously, but he's still one of the best hookers England have got, which actually doesn't sound great when you say it out loud.
2: I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I, I sort of. Tom Walker for me the way he's been playing recently is really, really maturing and becoming a really good, strong hooker. So, I, I, um, you know, I I actually, I actually rate him. I do think he's our um, best number nine at the minute. I like, I like Cruz Lehman as well and I haven't been following as closely at the Titans. I think he's, you know, he's holding his own, isn't he? Which is an achievement. But, I I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind um, Danny Walker. I, I think he's, I think he's good and, I think he's only going to get better. He's, a, he's sort of like deacon just at the right time of his career.
1: But do Saints, I mean, especially if this is now Paul Wellings, who himself has sort of admitted that. Yeah. Himself, he's sort of admitted that he spent all these years in the Holbrook and Wolf and he thinks and he knows what it means to how to coach a Saints team in terms of he knows that that, that Saints team go out there and they care about each other more than the other team care about each other like they don't want to see their other guy embarrassed by making a missed tackle so they get across the field and they make that tackle you know that kind of yeah Yeah. like you know he says that that's the culture that got instilled and they became this professional outfit who you know they basically became an NRL team to get to that point and he's coming now he started started to you know not Perform as well as the other guys did. Yeah. And then he gets to does he get to a point where he says, "Well, I'm now just going to try and play the way they played."
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. And that he's okay. he's,
1: he's doing that, but it's not replace, necessarily working, is it? If I replace James Roby with this young flashy hooker who runs from dummy half, who makes kicks in behind the goal line, who but, but, is unpredictable, but, but, Roby,
0: but uh, Roby's that now, player. Is he? Roby's still that maybe not so much now because of ageing but James Roby running from double half sorry, running from dummy half putting in a kick from dummy half not necessarily knowing what he's going to do. Yes, most of the time now he'll just pass it to whoever, maybe jump and pass it, but he still offers that. Against Penrith he did it quite a lot he jumped from nine and I don't think Penrith are expecting it because obviously he's an aging nine he's not going to want to carry the ball quite a lot but he did but when he's on the pitch because he's playing less minutes he's doing it more often whereas you're giving that to Danny Walker as a younger player yes you're going to have to wait a year to probably to get him because he's at Warrington until the end of next season and Daryl Clark's not maybe that's why they're doing it but if I was going to choose one of them I'd be chasing Danny Walker and I wouldn't mind paying a little bit for him he's 23 years old and he's like Robin said. He's he's fastly becoming England's number one nine. And Danny and and to yeah, me, Daryl you know, Clark like, is not is not not even top three. I'm gonna check thingy, but do you think
1: that Danny Walker holds his own in defence? Yeah, yeah I think he I'm does.
2: Like, I think he does. Is he not yeah. undersized? I, I think he's a, an effort player. I think he I think he was undersized, but I think this season he's. He's really matured and he's he's getting there. And I think, yeah. like I, I like the forty twenties, like the last couple of weeks, I, he's he's nailed them at key points for England and for Warrington, and that and that's something that I didn't realise he had in his game. And like every week, he just surprises me. And um, like I, I'm 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 really excited. I'm really excited about it. I think I, I literally think that if he carries on on this path, he will be just as good as James Roby. ninety six percent.
0: tackle efficiency. What, Danny Walker? Yeah. And what's what's Daryl Clark? That's what I mean. I know Daryl Clark's not played as much, but if his is lower than that, if his his is in the low 90s, then fine. But Daryl Clark is a marquee player. Danny Walker's probably not on as much money. Yes, you've probably got to wait a year, but do you know what I mean? It's one of them. And they've got... They've got Lussick as well, right? Like, yeah, they've got Lussick. Lussick. Well, well, you don't need another ageing hooker. Joey Lusick you want a young guy that you're going to be able to build around and Lussick to do exactly the same job he's been doing all all the time. Like, that's how, that's how I see it. So it's
1: not a lot yeah, in the listen, tackle. Daryl Clark, Clark and Danny Walker have made the same amount of missed tackles this year, but Danny Walker has made, has made 150
0: more tackles. <laughs> So that's, um, so, yeah, and and Danny Walker's played a lot more minutes as well, which is fine. But if he's li- if he's missed tackles, missed the same amount of tackles in the, in less in more minutes, and he's probably on less money, it's probably worth a little bit of a transfer fee to try and get him. That's the way I see it. I see Danny Walker. I I think Saints are going after the wrong nine, but maybe they know he's not a realistic target. Maybe he's an unrealistic nine to get.
2: Yeah, it, it would be pretty greedy. Uh, yeah, wow.
0: Danny Walker has recorded, has recorded zero errors this year Daniel Park's recorded five that's nuts that's mental yeah. this guy Danny Walker is on contract till the end of 2024. if Warrington win win I know they' never won one right but if Warrington win a title this year or next, it's around Danny Walker, uh, Danny, Walker one, Danny, 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 Danny Walker's the number one guy Danny Walker's the front the face of that team if they win one. Darryl Clark made eight more tackle busts. That's the one stat he
1: looks favourable in. The one stat? The, the only stat? Oh, the only man. stat is that he's a unit running the ball. But what yeah. does that
0: matter when... What does that matter when everything else is... Do you know what I mean? Saints are leaking tries quite a bit. They're not winning games. Def- Defence wins games, right? Well, t- scoring tries wins games, but defensively yeah, no, I... they win championships. I think I think Saints either player, neither player is a bad option, but I just think if you were, if you're in the Saints board, you're looking at Warrington for a Hooker, you, you've got to go after a 23 year old Danny Walker rather than a what a 32 year old Daryl Clark, 31 year old Daryl Clark, how old's Daryl? 30 yeah 30 year old Daryl Clark, seven years older. He'll be 31 next year. Like. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like you said, if if Warrington want a replacement for, for Clark, then you've got Aidan Doolin coming through, a current academy hooker, Ben Hartill. Obviously, Cruz Leeming's only on a contract till the end of the season over in the NRL. But if he plays well, he's probably going to be on a good bit of money. That's tough. I mean, that's, that's probably... A, once this deal goes through, for either... For Clark, if it does get confirmed in the next few weeks, then, then definitely worth having a look at. But... I'm very intrigued to see well, how you know, Danny Walker's future. Who?
1: A no, just while we talk about hookers, a hooker who's off contract at the end of this year, yeah. who, who you could bring in to Australia is Jake Turpin. That's a player I like. The idea of coming in to play as a, like a Daryl Clark replacement. Okay. Um, to play as a second, as a backup. Um, so yeah, I think that Warrington are shipping Daryl Clark off regardless, aren't they? Yeah, but I think he's I going, think, but. I think I, I think I get why Saints have brought him in because they just want him to fulfill the role of giving the right halfback the right ball at the right time and they know he's more likely to do it than whoever else next although no matter what Joey
0: Lussic is probably going to get the starting nine so yeah you need someone that's a bit willing to back up to, to Joey Lussick, and the fact that Clark's already doing that to Walker is probably a reason to bring him in and then you're probably looking at people that are off contract at the end of 2024 2025 for maybe that next option i don't think either of joey Lussick and daryl clark are the future of st helens but i mean if if clark if if saints handle clark the way they've handled roby clark's got an extra eight year eight seasons in him so maybe they do get eight really good seasons out of him if he stays injury free but as we know he's not the most he, he's not been the most the fittest of players i know he's played over 200 over 200 games for Warrington, but and just under 100 for Cass and he's played a long time but he's had a 12 year career already at the age of 30 that's a long career for that da- for Daryl Clark that's a really long career and I don't think he's got I don't think he's got that in him for for Saints in such a physical team in terms yeah. of we'll stick with Super League but we'll talk about something little bit more a little bit less serious in a way more more sort of more serious off the pitch but less serious on the pitch in terms of um what Leeds have done i don't really know how to describe it it's probably not serious really but they brought out a new um they've brought they've released their magic weekend kit um it's a doddy weird tribute makes sense because obviously rob burrow motor neuro disease um doddy Weir died last year at the age of 52 the colors that doddy wore match the Leeds rhinos colors I quite like this I, I don't mind this kit I'm a little bit I think there's too many sponsors on the front it kind of ruins it a little
2: bit but I don't, I think it's quite smart yeah so I just wanted to like cause it's fantastic they've explained it really well all the little details they've done and um, I think um, it's kind of the wrong way to look at this sort of thing because it's it is it is um, you know it's done out of the goodness of their hats, you know what I mean it's yeah not, you don't you, something like MDN uh, it's not something that you should be profiting from but if I can just go there for a second I think that the whole the whole way that they've handled the Rob Morris situation and and you know with Kensington Field and all of the extra charity stuff they do and it's, and it's great but it also is really really good to like cement a team's culture yeah and so, I think it's really good for Leeds to just continue on this path and, and make it their cause, make it mean something a lot to them because it just, I don't know, know—it it, 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 I feel like it, all, these, all these people at the club um, working towards a higher purpose it unites them all. And I think that that then reflects, like it, it, it's bound to reflect on the team. So, yeah. I completely get why they get it. But, just putting putting all the reasons why to the side it's an awful thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's so ugly. I feel like you can't say it because of the reason why, but it's just something to do with the Magic Weekend. It always confuses me why why teams put out these like horrific kits. And I know that most of them are charitable and there's always good reasons behind it, but I just think why like why can't they you know, be why can't they be like, nice looking charity kits? Yeah, like I think that yeah. the Magic Weekend is like we're trying to sell the sport in, in a, like in a different city, in Newcastle that doesn't have a Super League team. Um, you know, we put all this marketing into it, and then we put we put clubs out in not in their club colours, not in their usual kits. Like we're losing out on an opportunity to build brand awareness. Like, yeah. Like for me, Saint Helens should be in their home kit because it's it's an iconic kit. Do you know what I mean? I, I think. Say, same with Leeds, same wig, and all these different teams. They should be in their colours to, to, to advertise themselves so that people know that that kit means that club. I just think I, I get the charitable side. I get it's a bit of an occasion. Let's be fair as well, it's also a chance for clubs to make a bit of money because they're releasing a, an extra kit for people to buy. I just think that that maybe we should... I think they should go about it in a way where it's like, yeah, you can have a charitable class, <laughs> Be a little bit different. It is an occasion, but keep it in line with what you do. It what your brand is, since this is such a good opportunity to advertise yeah. again. But I mean, we're not going to have Magic Weekend soon anyway, so it's
0: kind of irrelevant. Well, but we don't know what we're getting, really, do we? Nobody really knows what's going. On. I know they said they're getting rid of it, but do we? Are they really going to get rid of it? Are they going to change it? Let's wait till we've got 100% confirmation, shall we, on on the Magic Weekend? Uh, Toby, any thoughts on this? Um no no I kind of agree with what Robin said in terms of like
1: you've got to wear your club clothes, but like I remember I think it was Warrington and Wigan they both like teamed up and both had like retro kits from like the same class, like class yeah. they had yeah, years yeah. Ago. They did that in Liverpool a few years ago that was pretty cool like Warrington's kit this year that, that sort of fits Castleford's kit's quite cool you know like yeah. you know so I think I think this one especially though like the Leeds one is really like why would you? Why wouldn't you just put on a game at Headingley and call it MND Awareness Round? Because every single bloke person in Leeds is going to turn up to support Rob
0: Borough.
1: Yeah. And wear that kit there. and everyone's going to buy that kit for Rob Borough. Like, do you know? Like. Yeah. It's not the. You know, it's it, not. It's, it, it, it's, 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 it's the ma- wrong time, ma-
0: isn't it?
1: Magic. This Magic Round, like Australia have copied Magic Round, and NRL have copied Magic.
0: And they've, and they've smashed it. And they've smashed it because they do it over three days and not over two. They uh, do it over three days. They say, look, come to
1: Brisbane, come have a right party in Brisbane, which Newcastle is actually kind of, a, I guess, like the similar party city that Brisbane is. Yeah, I'd, I'd have said
0: Newcastle. Yeah, I'd have gone with Newcastle.
1: I think The problem with Newcastle is it's like, it's it, Brisbane's all right when everyone in the country has to fly to there. So anyone who wants to go from another country has got to catch a flight to a big
0: city. Yeah. Whereas like, Newcastle... Is it better off in somewhere like Manchester? But then I think that takes away from the... But then again, it, they move their grand final around every year, don't they? So it's not always at the... Um, oh, where is it? Where's the, what's the it's grand...
2: Hey, yeah. so, is it always there?
0: Is it always meant to be there? Yeah, but, mostly, but It gets moved for something, I think. Yeah, it gets moved sometimes, doesn't it? Depending on what's going on different in the what in, in the countries but so as whereas like if you have it in Manchester it can't be at Old Trafford it's got to be at the Etihad which I think is good for the RFL yeah. because that's where they're based out of so it's like yeah. they don't have to travel far it's probably less cost of it's it's not it's let it's more cost effective because it saves having the sh- all the travel with all the kit and referees' expenses and, and things like that. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to do it, do it at the You well, Had, use the campus, let the team stay on the campus. There's so many
2: training pitches for all the teams to use during that week. Like, well, a... The only thing I'll say is, I, I know it's a family game and so it's not all about this, but Newcastle is such a good location for like getting on the beers and making a proper weekend out of it. The stadium is right in the city centre, it's a walk away from the train station, like You know what I mean? As soon as you leave the ground, you're in town. And, like, I feel like if we were to take it to, like, the Etihad, which is, like, quite far out of Manchester. Yeah. Far away from all the, like, local bars, restaurants and hotels and things, I think you're going to lose a lot of fans and also their party atmosphere.
1: I think the biggest issue with Newcastle is if you don't have a group of mates to go and get an Airbnb and go get drunk with, yeah, yeah, that's true. Then, it's too far north to go to, like, it's too far north to justify going up there by yourself when the game's on TV anyway.
2: Yeah, like, that's it,
1: true. It's like, it kind of like the furthest away day. I mean, and surprisingly, the whole idea of like being a neutral doesn't catch on too well to Super League fans of teams for some reason.
0: Yeah, it doesn't, does it? It's like... I was listening to a bloke in a bar, and Dean and Kemp said it really well. He goes, "The only reason he backs other teams in the NRL is because the result will benefit his his Brisbane Broncos side, or he's got he's tipping them for that week. Like it won't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's one of them where it's like crazy because it's it's just it, yeah. It doesn't he doesn't care about other teams as much." now that as he used to when he was playing and stuff because it didn't really affect him but now he's able to that's the only time he really cares about other teams is when he tips but the fact that it's spread over three days allows more fans to go and watch it having six games over two days yes it's three a day and that's fine but you could have you kind of need it you kind of need them extra teams in super league you need like at least 14 teams in order to do like a two two three split does that make sense or a 2-3-2 two, two split, yeah. having 6 makes it so difficult because you can't have 1, 2 and 3 because the first game, one of the games is just going to be a normal game uh, just at a neutral venue, so it doesn't really make sense it's something that needs to be worked on if we're going to continue to do it but it's one of those things that it doesn't really matter in hindsight Because well, at the end of the day, because like Robin said there probably isn't going to be one next season or from from here on out depending on what IMG say well, I think, like, they smashed it, didn't they, with, like...
1: Oh, yeah. They, what, what really... What they, Well, Magic Weekend was a fantastic idea, but it was kind of a thing that, like, you've done it once, you don't need to do it again, type thing, because, yeah. well, a lot of people, you're spending money on a ticket that's value is three games, and you only care for one. For one, yeah. Um, which really annoys me, like, it really annoys me when I've been to Magic Weekend twice, and you see this huge, great, big singing atmosphere, for Wigan, and then they all disappear before you've got Huddersfield and yeah, witness a night game or something. No one cares about it. Crazy, um, it? and then you've got that whole thing of like, should you prioritise playing a derby game or should it be like the best game or whatever? I don't know. It's all very. I think there's too. Much... I think the best thing was like when you have double headers or quadruple header quarterfinals or double header yeah. finals or you know those kind of things like. I think
0: they're the best way to have, go about having a, mag- a magic weekend of the round of 16. Like, imagine the round of 16 as a magic weekend. Two games on Friday, two games on. Three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. And you could do it at. I don't know if there's any grounds that are really close together. I don't know. Where you've got like two Problem pitches. Is magic- I don't know. The draw- yeah, you like
1: we've. Yeah, You're sat in an uncomfortable seat, triple the amount of time that you normally have to sit in an uncomfortable seat to watch rugby. For yeah, and you've watched all, and then sometimes you know the fun fans aren't always there, the noise isn't always there. You you know it's kind of like you sit. I mean, I sit there, and I've I've been there for the full six games. Yeah, and, and I sit there disappointed in rugby league fans because they only care about their team. Like I'm genuinely there, like stay, come and watch
0: the whole weekend like care about the sport but obviously that's not their point of view yeah i'm one of them that if i'm going to go and what like there's potentially going to be four games at wembley right in august for the challenge when the challenge cup final is or july whenever it's meant to be i can't think about when it's meant to be you've got your own you've got your kids game at the start which i know not, not many people are going to care about and I, I don't go and watch that one but you'll have the women's challenge cup final the men's challenge cup final and the 1895 cup final I'm going to be I'm going to watch all three games. But there's, there's so many people out there that just won't do that and it, to me that doesn't make sense. If you're going to go to it, watch all of them. Just go and enjoy the weekend of rugby like it's the same price no matter what, just go and watch it. But the price of beer and alcohol in and food and stuff inside stadiums is so much more expensive than yeah. it is outside of stadiums and you can understand why people leave. But in that case then why don't we allow people to re-enter stadiums? Because I'm pretty sure they do at Magic. I think pretty sure they do at Brisbane. They're they allowed people to re-enter with tickets, yep. which means
2: people can be in and out of the stadium if they wish to. This is something that they've um, messed up at York actually. When when they've got the double headers with the um, the Valkyries first and then the Knights afterwards or whatever. Yeah. And you can't you can't get back in the ground if you leave, but you've got like an hour and a Bit to kill, and like you say, it's so expensive to get yeah. any food on. The only, the only <laughs> I'm a vegetarian, the only food I can eat is a kick that and a packet of quavers That's like that's, it, And you, it, so you kind of just sat there, and like, like, so it said, you sat in these uncomfortable seats or stood like a lemon for an hour and a bit. It, it kind of, yeah, it, t- it takes the fun out of it a little bit. Yeah, no, what I get that. Think the LRL get, get
0: away
1: with it more because. They don't. They play weird schedules, don't they? They play. Oh right, we're going to play seven. Uh, sixteen teams once, and then six teams twice.
0: Yeah. Or one yeah. They games. get away with it. Yeah, they get and, away
1: like, with it. They basically, to an LRL fan, they say, right, we've got twenty four games this year. Twenty four, twenty five games this year. We expect twelve home games, um, and then we do, You know, we watch our away games on TV because they're miles away. So. And then we all, but the one away game we do go to is the one where we play a team at yeah, 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 at, in that. Brisbane, yeah. If you know what I mean, we go yeah. play a team in Brisbane. Whereas in Super League, it's like I, I, you couldn't be a you can be a Super League club fan who goes home and away every single week.
0: Yeah,
1: and then has to go and and has to go to Wigan versus Saints for the third time or fourth
0: time this year yeah oh, and man. I think that's and I think that's the thing I think if you it gets boring when teams play each other home and away all the time because people are like well I don't I, I want to see something different so you do these weird schedules where the NRL mix it up a little bit but then it's also like okay in the first 10 weeks of the season I think the Dolphins have played the Sharks twice already so it's like well I don't want to go and see the Dolphins yeah. play the Sharks anymore I've, I've seen know, it, see? or I saw it I saw it I three weeks ago I don't want to go and watch it again <laughs> Newcastle Knights played New Zealand Warriors twice in six weeks like, at the start of the season. That's ridiculous. That? That's, that should never be happening. That should never be happening. But it's one of those that I think both both the NRL and the Super League have things they need to fix in terms of fix the scheduling. And I think, I think eventually IMG will see what the issues are and hopefully they'll fix them. Speaking of uncomfortable seats, um, when I went to see Catalan play when I was really young at the Stad Gilbert Brutus, they had no seats in that stand that Robin was in at the weekend. Robin, was it comfortable? Did you enjoy it? And did
2: you get scared when that ball got loose? <laughs> well, we were quite high up. We were we were miles away from it. To be honest, it was right on the other side. So, I wasn't scared, but it was funny as <laughs> 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 like that. Yeah, I feel like only only in like you know Europe, France, Spain, it, like these they they they're kind of like health and safety is just not what it is over here. Like it never happened in the uk would it so that was yeah hilarious and i mean i'm assuming everyone's seen it because it's done around so i think yeah. like new york post got, shed. i think it's gone worldwide that clip yeah it's pretty cool isn't it it's like like um you couldn't plan a better marketing point but <laughs> yeah hilarious The, the bull, bull. so there was like a, a farmer's market being advertised they're, they're parading these bulls around one of them just bolts like, the guy who's walking it is he's, like, dragged along the floor for, like, 10 metres, holding the <laughs> ring. And then this bull's, like, doing a few laps, just, like, you know, chasing. All the players are, like, running around with tackle shields, like, jumping <laughs> over the walls to get behind, um, into the stands so that they're safe. And then the bull just sort of, like, goes over to one of its other friends and... It just and yeah, it just it stops, just, doesn't it? It just stops all, all of a yeah, it's just like, oh, I've had my fun. Like, that was a good laugh. <laughs> anyway... Yeah, you know, back to walking around. Back to walking Medley, around. But, yeah, yeah, the seat. No, the seats were good. Like so, the stand. Um, it was like one of those like concrete stands where the seats don't flip up. So you actually had quite a lot of leg room. Yeah, and it's really steep mm-hmm. as well. So like, really like, I, I think anywhere you sit, would be a good view. Um, yeah, it was mint. I, 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 honestly, I feel like I said this every week after watching the um, Wigan Saints derby. But, like, I've never been to a game with a better atmosphere. Like, the whole build-up to it, you walk in, they've got an awesome fan zone. The shop was massive and just, like, so easy to just spend all your Euros. Um, <laughs> they had a, a live DJ on that was just, like, getting everybody in the mood. Like, I think a part of it has got to do with the fact that, you know, like, all the St. Ellen's fans are on holiday. So, it's, like, just extra special anyway. It's, you know it's part atmosphere, been... isn't it? yeah and it was it honestly it was great and um like lo- i saw loads and loads of like Lesignon shirts Carcassonne shirts um Pierre Albi like i it just felt like this is the the like the pinnacle of like french Football league yeah. and um i imagine that you know like it's it's a big deal like- a, a Catlan's game is a big deal well that's the impression i got anyway um yeah it was it was fantastic i would recommend anyone to go and like do it um I know, like you know, I'm, I'm late to the party. A lot of people like do it every <laughs> I mean. single year, but yeah, it was great. And that's um, <laughs> just a funny story. So I went with my friend. He's a Saints fan, and so I've actually bought a Catalan shirt to wear just to kind of wind him up. Also, you know, I I did. A, I went to see Catalan. See what I mean? That's who I wanted to see. I wanted to see a home victory. And I was in my Catalan shirt, and I went to the toilet, and there was like one toilet for the whole stand, so it was like massive queues to get there. I had to walk like half a mile to get to it, and um, I was surrounded by Saints fans, and I, I was on my own, so I wasn't talking to anyone. So <laughs> all of a sudden, this um, like th- like you know typical rugby league in it. Like th- this Saints fan saw me and was like, "Oh, Monsieur, see me play after you," and he basically like, <laughs> whisked me through the crowd because he thought I was like a French guy. and he thought you you was just like you go first you go first (laughs) yeah yeah like I was like well I'm not you know what I mean I'm not going to say anything so I'm just like nodding and being like escorted through to the front of the queue and like allowed to piss and get out and all I was thinking to I was like like nobody asked me a question in French because the game's up (laughs) but yeah so that was was quite funny that would have been funny on on the Saints fans like I've, I've, I've been to three Saints games this year um the Good Friday Derby at home against Warrington, and then um, obviously away at Catalans. And I'm going to go out and say something. I I actually think that Saints have the best fan base in Super League. I've seen a lot of teams now, home and away, and nothing is quite as good as a Saints match. They really get behind the players, and I know they've had a lot to sing about over the last couple of years, and that probably helps. But the way that they um, Lift the players. is quite special. Like we yeah. spoke like uh, earlier in the party about how Paul Wellens has got this like culture of like you know, someone misses a tackle, you run over and help him out, and it comes from the fans. And the, you yeah. know when when the game was getting tough for Saints, they were looking back at the Saints engine and sort of going, like, "Come on, lift it!" Like Jack Wellsby's is a player that really feeds off it. Um, Tommy Makerson as well. Obviously Louis from the scars, but but they like the, the fans really get behind him and even like the, they, they lost the game and you could tell that they were good. But all the players made an effort to come over and like thank the fans. So Alex Wormsley was there for ages just thanking people and clapping and all this stuff and you can say that it's all for sure, but you really get a feel of like the the players appreciate the fans and the fans lift the players. And I don't I don't I see it a little bit in other clubs, you know, like you see, you get those like bands of of, like supporters that are really hardcore and really, um, you know, sing all the way through. But I think Saints just seem to have like a whole atmosphere. Every single person is like fully behind them. There was was probably like a quarter, you know, there's like one one Saints fan for every three Catalans fan, but but it was the same amount of noise. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, like... (laughs) I'm 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 happy for people to prove me wrong, but I'm I'm gonna go out and like hot take for the week. dance fans are the best in Super League.
0: Um, my hot take for the week is that Cas fans are the worst. Um, just because? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they're not. I mean, I, I understand why they. You you put this in the group, didn't you? Um, yeah. Robin, about this, the Cas fans potentially going on on protest on Friday. Um, so for those listening, it'd be tomorrow reasons why is that they've been lied to for years about the stadium. Fulton is apparently charging ridiculous interest rates. The club cut the academy budget in half after 2017. They're making professional players bring their own food to training. they've refused to recruit from Australia after Fecky and Blair. They've waited six plus weeks to announce last even though they knew he'd already had the job. They're a professional club that don't have a CEO. Uh, recruitment and contract retention retention since 2017 has all been cheap and easy. Uh, the women's team was been was allowed to be torn apart. Uh, blame York for that one. Uh, we Will only recruit overseas yes. players that are already over here, so they don't have to pay for flights and cars, etc. They've just signed two players from Hulk KR that can't even get into their 17. That doesn't that that for me is a reason. And years of hard work put in by Steve Gill and Daryl Powell has all disappeared in the space of two years, and it's gone back to the days under Ian Millwood. If you're a Cass fan, you are looking at this, going, "This is this is fair." Like, I
2: don't see a problem with any of this. No, yeah, none of that is untrue. And and that, think... like, a few weeks ago, we spoke about how all the disciplinary issues that Cass has had, and we, like, listed, like, even yeah, of... after season of, like, the biggest issues in Super League all come from Cass. So that's another another um, thing to, to add to the list of complaints. Yeah.
1: Go on, Tate. No, I think the only place where I can, like, sort of say... That point doesn't need to stand.
0: Doesn't need to be there. Is about overseas recruitment. Which one? The um, one that, since Blair and Fecky, or the one that they're only recruiting they, into?
1: they're both saying that we don't recruit players who are play who who like directly from the NRL. Yeah. Like that's that's the sort of issue that they brought up. But I think the reality of that is they can't is they can't afford to. 13 players on the pitch you all know their job in the defensive line and they all are competent enough to perform their job Yeah. and you won't concede the yeah. difficult part without star players is scoring points and I think it's true that they've turned to Jacob Miller who's a bottom half half of the table half back he's quite good for bottom half of the table but he's bottom half of the table they turned to Gareth Widdop, who didn't do much at Warrington. Yeah, you know, they they turned to players who weren't you know, who weren't going to be the people to improve to make them look attackingly competent. Yeah. Um I think I can understand the frustration in some senses when there would have been players who you know, even players like a Tom Opacic, who which Hulk AR signed, that's a, that, that that kind of signing is it's huge, but I think you could easily. and I think even looking at their squad, there is a squad you can put together there that cannot that can not concede points. Yeah, and you cannot. That's you true. can you can set that team up to not concede, um, and it's you not to. I mean, Greg Eden has never been a good defender. Just scores but tries,
0: doesn't he? Yeah, getting
1: that squad to score tries, but then what Castleford are basically in the situation of. Is it's like right? Well, you've got this thing where you're trying to sign players who can only play the wrong side of the game, effectively. Yeah. The second side of the game, which is the attacking. Yeah. You, you're signing. You know, you sort of. You need a guy. Some you need someone to come in with the philosophy of. I'm gonna have a team full of players who will put the Castleford shirt on and will give anything to not lose. Yeah. Not players who come in. And say I want to be the star in our winning performance. Which Jake, Jake Miller, Jacob Miller is that is the definition of that kind of player. Um, and yeah, I think, but I think the Australian recruitment is a bit like if they. I think the real hard one to take is the academy investment because if you're not, if they invest in their academy properly, and it is true that some of the players coming through, you know like Kane Rob. Um, yeah. um like this would almost definitely be at a bit better level than, than they were now Lee Radford was the wrong appointment yeah you know needed someone who was going to come in and, and really turn that team around turn that team into something new and what Lee Radford came in to do was pick the players who were already there and try and make them play better than Daryl Powell made them play
0: yeah
1: was yeah. that that squad was always the squad is still now it's always been the same Castleford squad um, and to be fair I think since 2017 20, the, the end of the 2017 season was Justin Holbrook's first pre-season
0: yeah
1: since that so since the end of the 2017 season rugby league in this country has been on a real upward trajectory to, be, to becoming an elite sport Where. yeah are now, the teams who are now doing well are the teams who are you know, who are picking players to play specific roles and those players are playing those roles perfectly, look at how sort what Salford have got out of Tyler Dupree they've taken a player and they've gone we know you're not brilliant right now but we know you can do this well and they've gone and told him to do that and now he's fantastic because he does that you know, they've obviously, you know, I think they brought in players who come with the mindset of, I'm going to play my heart. And I think that's probably the only reason you miss Australian recruitment is because you you sign pro- actual professionals. Yeah. Oh, not Joe Wester Scrans.
2: So, <laughs> to do. Yeah. But anyway. Cass, and, oh, Cass always, um, you know, they got like the type of like classy cats. And I think they always like to play that like. Um, off not, the cup, yeah. like attacking style, like very high risk, and like 2017 was like, like Toby says, it was is the game was a bit different then you could get away with it. Whereas now we're not seeing that. We're seeing more yeah. of the like, yeah, it, it's it's much it's much harder to, to play that style. much yeah, but like, now to make up for the for like silly mistakes now.
0: Yeah,
1: way sports has gone in general. Like we were in an era ten years ago when the best team was the team who bought the best players that's not necessarily the case now is it No, but it's not it's even <laughs> happening in football like man city were brilliant 10 years ago because they bought they bought they spent money on every single position and improved it and now they're brilliant because they developed phil foden and they've developed nathan ake um and they developed you know they developed players who sorry that's probably didn't mean anything to people listening but they basically took players who when they came to man city weren't ready to win a premier league and now they've got an injury and that player's in there over a player who everyone knows has more talent but doesn't do their job as well yeah that makes do sense. a job to help the team as well yeah um and you think that now like saints it's 10 years ago how hard would it have been for um Bachelor to break through the Saint into the Saints team, yeah, no chance oh, yes. break into the Saints team. Um, you know, you probably would have had to go out on loan somewhere, blah 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 blah. Um, how hard would it be for Tom Holroyd, who I mean, I don't really rate him, At like, yeah, no, same, same, same point, point though. Yeah. Um, you know, all these players who now like they've been given opportunities by their club because that's the way you have to go, you have to recognize your talent before it's and you have to develop it yourself yeah I think that's Castleford aren't developing anyone they're just trying to sign people who are already developed and say well come on show us show so us what come- you can
0: do yeah and, it's, and lads, are like, lads are like well I'm being paid so I'm going to stick it out and they're not necessarily worried about what happens because they know that they're going to get caught so long as they don't get relegated which they probably won't because that's how bad Wakey are they know they'll. They know they'll be okay. Do you know what I mean? Then teams aren't just gonna. They're just not gonna re. They're just not, not gonna at the end of their contract. But they know that if they play well enough towards the end of that contract, they'll get. They'll get a new deal. Uh, speaking of cast, they've just announced that um, as well. We're recording. They've just announced that Craig Lingard has joined uh, as an assistant to Andy Last. Um, but Craig Lingard will continue his role at Batley throughout 2023 which means Batley need a new head coach for 2024 Uh, they've announced someone I'm not really sure who who it is I believe it's someone who's within the um, within the club already which is good for Batley to continue that sort of structure because that's really well talking about head coaches as well though Bradford Bulls sacked Mark Dunning yesterday after he was it I think you put it in the chat uh, Toby didn't you Was it you? um, Put it in. Oh, Robin! Robin did this as well. He rips embarrassing Bradford after they conceded forty-two unanswered points in an absolute drubbing um, on Sunday. So he's been sacked. Six potential replacements include James Ford, um, Paul Anderson. Come on, Danny Ward, uh, Mick Potter. Come on, Lee Greenwood, who is the um, the current assistant there now that Dunning's um, been sacked, and Justin Morgan, who has um, been recent, who was recently linked with the Cust for job, this uh, previously admitting his desire to return to the UK. So there's a few handful of coaches that could be going to Bradford. There, this Bradford team—they play really well against the top five this year. They've played really, really well. They've had wins over Toulouse. They've beaten Halifax in the league, but you play the teams outside of that top five, and they just can't pick up wins. It was really interesting to see that they've, they've beaten witness. I think they've beaten Widness, Sheffield, Toulouse, lost to Fed, um, and then they've beaten, um, like, London. But then they've lost to Keithley, Batley. I think they lost to York. They've lost to, I think they lost to Barrow as well. Like, they've, they've, they've really struggled against teams they should be beating, but then beating teams that they, they should be, they should, it doesn't matter if they win or not, but they, they sat sick. They're on the same points as witness and Halifax, in uh sick they've obviously got a, a lot worse they've got 70 less points difference than witness but they're only two points behind Toulouse and sheffield who obviously are doing sheffield are doing really really well Toulouse lost again so they've now lost three this season it's, it's a weird one because i didn't think bradford were playing badly but it obviously it's obviously clear that they're not sorry bradford aren't i'm reading totally the wrong thing here um they're four points off the third and second they've um, they've won five lost five so they've beaten the teams in the top five, but lost against the teams in the bottom five. So that's where they're sort of going wrong.
2: It's weird, isn't it? I I I wonder how much um, the coach, like you know, what the coach said in the media after the game, had to do with the fact that they got rid of him the next day. I yeah. think when when you when you start slating your players, and he said, you know, there'll be personnel changes. They gave up, you know. When you, when you get to that point, you've got nothing left in your arsenal. Do you know what I mean? When you when your coach does that, you, you can only really pull that once. Yeah. And if it doesn't work immediately, that's it. You're done as a coach. And I think um, I was reading about the, the Dolphins in the NRL and about Wayne Bennett. And the, the reason why he's, he's such a great coach and so well respected is because he offers um, a lot of support for his players. He gets to know them yeah. And you know, he has like an open door policy and any issues off the pitch, on the pitch, come like, you know, I'll sort it out for you. And it's kind of like um if you if you provide that level of support and then slate your players, that's very different to not providing that level of support and and slate your players. If you see what I'm saying, it's kind of um Yeah it Yeah, I, I, no, I, 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 get I what I'm saying I think it's rare that we see coaches say those things so i won't. I wouldn't i don't know i I feel what I'm trying to say is I think there's more going on behind the scenes you know it, it shows it shows frustration and and desperation yeah from the coach and so I wonder if there's stuff happening you know at training and things like that that are, that are causing this um you know like you said they're not doing badly in the table but they've you know one one embarrassing game and everything's falling apart it feels like
0: yeah, it does. It's it's a really weird thing. Toby, what, what do you make of the situation at Bradford? If, I don't know, obviously you've not been able to follow lots of what's been going on, but it's a weird one. I, I don't think they were in a position he needed to go, but clearly oh. something behind the scenes has meant that this guy's had to go. I think Bradford believed they were in a position to compete this year as well.
2: And I think, I think, I think most... we did when we were looking at the squads. I thought Bradford were going to be up there. Yeah, I They're think we, not we all did. Play. We all said
0: they were going to be up there, didn't we? Top six, top, top, top five, I top six. I find it crazy, like, in the championship, teams
1: change every week. It seems like your old packs unavailable available from week to week. And yeah. All of them. Their team, which they put out on Sunday, had, I think, three reg players in. Yeah. Like... And they've gone the, they've got the I you know, I don't get how you don't how you as a semi professional team who were in the second flight of English rugby, yeah don't have enough cover for injuries.
0: Like don't have enough players. To build I don't players. I don't even think it's an injuries thing. I think they're just changing their squad so often that it's yeah. just not working for them. I mean, you saw in the Challenge Cup when they couldn't have the dual Reg players play what happened. The Halifax squad was was very similar to what had played them what two weeks beforehand and Bradford Bradford beat them like fair and square Bradford won, but they had Donaldson Roberts they had loads of data for four or five dual race players come in play that game and they beat Halifax at the Shea they take those players out they replace them with actual squad players contracted at the club Halifax go and beat them 26 nil they go and concede 42 unanswered points they go they go 12 up they're 12 up at one point in the second half and they concede 42 unanswered points in the second half so in the last in the last two weeks they've conceded eighty points in two games, like some clubs concede that in one week and the clubs are like yeah whatever that happened, like but, you know, they, they accept say, it. Yeah. Like, it's just weird. It's just it's just an odd. It's just an odd decision. I don't feel like it needed something something back behind the scenes had to have happened, right? At the end of the day, I truly believe this.
1: Like as long as you've got thirteen players who can. Who, who can make their tackles and can understand the basic principles of a sliding defense and yeah you know like can understand what they need to do you know how to cover the, the pitch and yeah. in the fence like you shouldn't concede points in if, if against teams who are so, sort of equally matched to you yeah you, you, you know and obviously you do because you have to do certain things to try and dominate the ball and it's not more than that but at that point if you can play your role which is just how melbourne storm is so successful every player goes on that pitch and has a role to do and they they, they carry out that role and then on top of that it, it's then about mentality it's then do you believe that you're the better team in this game do you believe that you you can win this game do you believe that you know, do you think that you're winning this game for yourself? Are you winning this game for the the guys next to you? Are you winning this game for the club? You know, why, you know, it's sort of that. It's like, and how, I, I'm really getting to this thing now where the team who wins things in any sport is the team who mentally is, mentally has the best reason to win it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it. you know, it's you've got to be, like, talent is important in one, you know, in a grand final, say, like, when it comes down to, let's come down to, what, Saints versus someone, or even Saints versus Penrith. without Jack Wellsby, Saints probably aren't World Club champ- champions yeah But definitely. but would Saints even be in a position to compete in that game, if every single one of those players didn't didn't share the same passion to play to get to play and to perform at that level yeah um i think so many clubs just don't don't do enough work on showing the players what they you know what they're playing for give that giving the players a reason to play a lot of them it's like you know you're playing for yourself Especially at championship level, when players seem to come in and out on such a regular basis, you're playing for yourself. You're not playing for the Bradford bullshit, and and that part, of that, you know, you're not playing to be a, an elite rugby league player. And part of that's obviously because you're out, you're part time.
0: Yeah. But you know, you're not you're not a team. You're not no you're not a squad you not. you're just lads that come together to play every week and you're not going to be you're not training together every week so you can understand where the difficulties lie yeah, and if you've got another job you've got your job which
1: pays your bills and you're playing rugby because you love it and then you're kind of like well i'm not you know i love it but i don't care if i do well or not because i'm never going to be professional or i'm never
0: yeah
1: or i don't want to be professional or i'm never you know it's I'm never going to be important there's also honestly, mentality is, and it's impossible to, you know psychologists do so much work with teams now to try and get them to the right place but you know the best coaches have built the best cultures um, as you said and it's, it's so hard to do I think on Bloke a bar, Dean and, Kemp, Dean and Kemp says that what Craig Bellamy wants at Melbourne is for them to play as hard in every game of the regular season as they would in a grand final
0: yeah
1: like he will grill them if he says he will say to players i can guarantee if that was to if that tackle means you left the trophy you make you make it so why didn't you make it now yeah because it still means the same but yeah for, for these players nothing means you know all the, this game means is we're not as good as featherstone yeah
0: yeah that makes sense or as good as anyone else above them in the table so it's really interesting to see, it's, very, it's an interesting story to see where it develops, see where Bradford go next. Um, the last thing just to mention this week is that the Women's Rugby League Nines Tournament returns to Warrington, uh, returns to Victoria Park as it did last year. Um, this year's competition will see all 12 Betfred Women's Super League sides take part alongside invitational teams including Leamington Royals, Cardiff Demons, Newcastle Thunder, London Broncos and Workington Town. The teams have been drawn into five groups with a top team from each group plus one wildcard making it through to the finals day at Salford's Bell Stadium on Saturday June 24th. Um, title holders York Valkyrie will face Bedford Women's Super League 2 opposition in Barrow plus developing sides Hull FC and Workington Town with 2022 runner-up uh, Leeds Rhinos set for a West Yorkshire Derby against Bradford as well as matches against Salford and Cardiff. Um, elsewhere, in another sign of the growth being made in Women's Rugby League, the Midlands will be represented for the first time by Leamington Royals who have been drawn against Huddersfield Giants Warrington Rules, and a final team to be confirmed following the late withdrawal of last year's finals, Catalan Dragons. Um, Current Challenge Challenge Cup Holders St Helens face Featherstone Rovers, Hulkear and Newcastle Thunder. and Wigan Warriors, Lee Leopards, Castleford Tigers and London Broncos complete the group stage fixtures. Uh, Play starts at 1030 until 4 Entry is free and much like last year's event, the occasion will have a festival feel, including educational workshops focusing on the women's game, so if you're free on Sunday, get up to uh, Victoria Park for the Women's Rugby League Nines. If you're in the Bedford area and you enjoyed wheelchair rugby league during the World Cup, come along to the University of Bedfordshire um, Indoor Sports Arena, um, meet some of the England Rugby League World Cup heroes, look at the trophy, and get involved in a session that starts at uh, 11 o'clock till 2 pm, swiftly followed by the, um, the Bedford Tigers women versus Nottingham Outlaws at 3 pm in the afternoon. Up, just up the other side of the town. So if you're if you're in either of those areas, get yourself to one of those events and and enjoy. Yeah, it's, you know we said before about
1: like the women's game, like they're getting all the right ideas and executing them slightly, it, like slightly worse than they could. Yeah. Surely the final, like surely, like having these teams need to qualify for another finals day just takes away some of the watchability. You could do it in one weekend, couldn't you? Uh, yeah, you're going to watch a bunch of droppings. Yeah. Um, for them to be told, I'll
0: come to Salford to see who really wins. Yeah, it's, 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 it's I, I I like the fact that there's new teams in there. It was kind of what we mentioned with the Challenge Cup restructure. I think it was a week before you came back where we mentioned that the women's is in a group stage, but you could use all the women's from all the all the Super League leagues, all the Championship, the League One, League Two, whatever, and you could actually have a knockout competition where the Super League teams come in at a certain point. The only teams that come in late are the women's super league group one teams and the group two teams at a certain point when you're still going to get grubbins but you're going to get a lot of closer games earlier on in the competition however nines is the right way to go like yeah you this, yeah nines, right. nines with groups is a nice way to go i mean i mean you had some decent results cardiff demons beat salford red devils in the women's challenge cup this weekend and um, in the last nines tournament i think they got to finals day and they got to the semi-finals you and they weren't expecting it, it. If you like, marketed this Nines properly and put it on TV and stuff,
1: you can say, Look, 18 minutes is all you need to watch before you know something about who the good Saints yeah. players are, who the good Cast players are, who the good this team's players are. Yeah. And then you know, in that 18 minutes, you've learned something. It used to happen in the um, Auckland Nines all the time, where it'd be like, Look, this player's done really well. Now, as soon as he gets his first team debut or as soon as he plays this season we're going to expect big things from him and he's you know like he's worth watching and this team and I worth watching because it's that that kid who did really well in the nines it's got loads of potential nines I really love nines and um, I really like it so again it's like right idea are you executing it
0: right but like at least the idea has been had in the first place yeah it's a really good ex- it's a really good idea It's well, apparently last year was a really good event so please get down and yeah I, and I went it. last
2: year I went last year and I, and all I was thinking was like is that same thing this is such a fantastic idea such a great opportunity and it, it just it needs to be um, pushed a hell of a lot more because like imagine if we could do this for the men's Super League like imagine how awesome that would yeah. be that weekend like, this is, yeah. You could do it. But I, you, could I would... do, you could
0: mix the weekends up, couldn't you? You could have it run longer and have, do you know what I mean? And just constantly yeah, just games it. on games with no breaks in between games as well. Like, just get as soon as one game is get the next game on, just rotate it all the way through and just get it done. They do it with the London Sevens. I think that's coming up in a few weeks' time in Rugby Union. And that is just, it sells out to Do you know what I mean? So, there's no reason why we can't do something it's like that. With nights. So but no, I believe that's it for this week's episode of the Biff Rugby League Podcast. We've touched on everything. Yeah. We've touched. We said we we turned up. And we, were up we, were and we were like, there's not really much to talk about, and then we have just gone bang, 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 and we've made, we've mentioned about ten different things. So that's just the world of rugby league. We don't think a lot's happened, but more's happened than what what we think it is. Um, so, like I said, make sure you get to either the nines. The Wheelchair uh, Showcase, Bedford Tigers vs Nottingham in a Friendly, the Women's Challenge Cup has started, all the Rugby League seasons are underway. Thank you everyone for listening, thank you everyone for supporting us. Um, our listeners are growing week on week on week and we can't thank you enough so continue to support, continue to like, continue to subscribe, continue to follow, drop us a uh, five stars on Spotify if it allows you to, subscribe to us on Amazon and Apple Music if, if you can, and we'll give you as much as more more, more content as, as as much as possible really um boys thank you very much for joining me toby again congratulations robin go and watch more games other than the saints and i'll <laughs> speak to you throughout the week and for everyone else we'll hear from you well you'll hear from us next thursday thank you everyone for listening good bye